Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, once again sitting in the heart of the Clempire, Snake and Jake's Christmas Club yeah. Lounge, with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What's hey. happening today? Oh, you know, it's all kind of shit going on, Manny. Oh, yeah? Like oh, what? yeah. There's uh, a couple of uh, Troubled Men podcast uh, guests showing up in the news this week. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, well... Uh, I'll, Mel Gibson? Well, <laughs> we haven't <laughs> had him Mel on yet. <laughs> he was in the news. Yeah, I saw he was, uh, he, he was uh, offered the, uh, the, 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 to be king of Endemian Parade, and then yeah. he got so many death threats that they decided they, they would withdraw that uh, or, now, or he who declined. who are these death threats from, you think? Uh, you know, I guess it's uh, you know, people that, that have a problem with all of his uh, anti-Semitism and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Is racist. Is racism? Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. people. People. But don't isn't like Mardi Gras already racist to begin with? Well, I guess they figure it's racist enough as it is. You know, yeah. they're hitting the sweet spot. You know. <laughs> they don't want to yeah. upset the apple cart by uh, by injecting too much racism. I always think Mardi Gras is very racist. You know. Well, I've you said know, it they're on the show. It's it's very uh, class oriented for sure. Yeah, you know? it's classless too. I think. Well, yeah. well, uh, well. To to get to the uh, the lighter side of of guests being in the news. Uh huh. The proprietor here, uh, uh, Dave Clements. Uh, oh, no. Uh, he shows up. Here he is on the newspaper. Uh, it says uh, on, on the, the cover of the Metro section, it's a picture of him up on a ladder. Dave is, is uh, you know, is in his advanced state, standing up on a ladder, painting the side of a building just down the street here. And it says, uh, clean slate. Dave Clements, owner of the property at the corner of Oak and Adams Street in New Orleans, makes repairs and paints over the graffiti Friday. Uh, Clements was making the repairs after getting a citation by the city for neglect. His court date is on Thursday. Quote, Mr. Clements, I might wake up in the morning and the building will already be tagged again. But so, so that's the city's is uh, spending uh, time and, and resources on uh, getting Dave, getting a, a man in his 70s to uh, climb up on a ladder and paint the paint the, over the graffiti that that's on, on his building. Well, someone must have complained then. The city's not just going to go around and enforce it. Well, no, but I'm saying if somebody complained, then I guess they, they responded and they went and cited him. So they got him out there. In the same newspaper on the, on the, uh, the uh, front page is a story about three men shot and killed in mid-city. Yeah. So you saw that where uh, yeah. on Bank Street yeah. uh, they had uh, two different cars with uh, 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 sets of people with automatic weapons and they were both targeting somebody that lived on the street over a hundred yeah. uh, rounds fired Jesus there Christ. shot killed killed three guys on the street like uh, I was on, aiming for on, more actually. on the corner <laughs> but, but you're kind of out of practice but uh, but so one of our guests Jason Ritchie lives on that street and Jason uh, Ritchie's Jason a, a great harmonica player he we had him on during lockdown so it was a remote uh, show so okay. we weren't face to face with him but tremendous one of the you know top so five. he got shot well he he was he had just been on his porch smoking a cigar and uh, relaxing there it's like 10 o'clock at night or something oh, and and he's just walking in and he hears like what he sound what sounds like firecrackers down the block mm -hmm. and he starts to 
walk in, you know, further. He's closing the door behind him. Then he hears like tires screeching, and then a whole lot of uh, uh, automatic gunfire. It becomes obvious that that's what it is, and it's getting closer. <laughs> so he takes a couple of steps and he dives on the ground as these guys drive down the street, shooting up all the houses. What? A, a bullet comes through the room that he's in and enters one wall, goes across the room. Uh, goes whizzes right by the seat that he sits in front of his computer and does harmonica lessons, either you know YouTube video of, of lessons or private lessons through Zoom, or he sits in the same spot to, to repair harmonicas. He spends like, sometimes he says, 8, 10, 12 hours a day in that seat. Bullet whizzes right b through where he would have normally been sitting, uh, breaks a glass Jeez. on his desk, uh, goes through this harmonica wah uh, kind of device makes a hole right through it and lodges in the wall good god what kind of cigars does he smoke i don't know what he was smoking i like cigars every once in a while all right well he, uh, jason yeah. is a is a cigar fan have he's him a, private a, message me okay <laughs> see what he was smoking at yeah, the time see what he was smoking at the time because <laughs> uh it might be a lucky brand you know because for sure but man poor jason i mean uh, uh, i guess thankfully jason was uh was not uh, injured at all but you know it's man, out of control man we got to bring down the it's completely out of it's, control it's, it's crazy uh, people are dying left and right in fact uh, you know, it's so blatant. You know, the uh, right around the corner from where I live is one of those famous tasty donuts and uh, you know sandwich shops. Uh -huh. And some guy, some guys, just rammed their pickup into the tasty donut at four o'clock this morning I to saw get that the ATM machine. Oh, jeez! What I found very hysterical was is that you know you have this nice pickup and this guy they ended up having to go like three or four times to get the atm machine off the off its you know pedestal or something yeah. yeah so as they're doing it i'm watching this footage and his truck is getting smashed and smashed and <laughs> smashed it's like and apparently there was two thousand dollars maybe two thousand dollars in the atm machine uh, it's probably about four thousand dollars worth of damage on his truck. You know, <laughs> well, not too bright. Yeah, you know? nobody said criminals were smart. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you know, but they're going to be closed down for a couple of weeks, and I feel bad. And in fact, the bakers were there while this was happening. They were like, "What the hell?" You know, they were in the back oh, baking geez. donuts. You know, and. They came out and they saw one of the guys with a gun. And the two of them, they just ran. They just ran for their lives. You know, it was like, oh, we're not sticking around here. Yeah, know? yeah. What to protect the donuts yeah. or somebody else's ATM? Ooh, a good donut's good every once in a while, though. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, I like a good donut. unless it's ninety-five degrees outside. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You don't want a donut then. But uh, <laughs> oh, you see, he's a he's a callbacks yeah. here. He's a fan uh, yeah. of the show. He's yeah. already he already knows your opinion on on, uh, on donuts in the R summertime. Right. No, donuts don't work in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You know. Uh, Unless you really want to, you know, smite somebody, you know, smite somebody <laughs> yeah. with, with a with a glazed donut yeah. and, and, uh, and but yeah, I feel bad for them. Uh, I I don't really care for their donuts that much, uh, what that well. But I, you know, I'm not a big donut guy anymore. Yeah, they um, have the 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 uh, crystal burgers there. I know. Some yeah, those, they have the crystal burgers. You like there. those crystal burgers? No, the no. small small. I do little? like them, but not from them. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. I really haven't had a crystal burger in about 25 years or so. I don't. Yeah, I mean, they're it's it's kind of garbage food, but you know, the right time it's of night. It's good when you yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. four in the morning. Right, right time of night, it's the onions that make and, it. And right amount of booze. And there's no taco truck open. You know, so a crystal burger is always worse. Yeah, it's so. But you know. 
there isn't there one in in the French Quarter on Bourbon Street? There's a crystal, right? Ah, uh, could be, could be. Used to be all over in, in New Orleans. We had, uh, uh, I know other places they had White Castle. Right, right, White right. Castle. Here we had Royal Castle. It had like kind of a, a purple theme to it. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, you would get like a, like a slab of them or something almost. You know? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. By the dozen. They were basically right. bite size, you know, those yeah, things. Yeah. And they, they were good you know, at four in the morning right. when you're uh, trying to rob an ATM. Sure, you need some sustenance. Or you have a drive by you got to get to. Right, right. exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's crazy. And, and our, 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 our fearless leader is really, you know, uh, uh, done nothing. I, um, really, she you know she's not done anything. Really. No, well, she she's hosting the the Miss Universe pageant. I right, saw it's in no town, way. and she was yeah, it's in town. Uh, uh, who who knew? I mean, who who cared? But uh, but yeah, she was taking a lot of pride in that. She's uh, uh, walking around with the with the girls there, and you know, showing off. And what universe is our mayor from? <laughs> you know, because uh, I think she's going to try to compete in it. You know. <laughs> Well, you know, you know. I guess I they, the wearing, idea yeah. of a multiverse is where you know, and yeah. other. What would be her talent though, as as a contestant in Miss Universe? Yeah, content. she's pretty good at double talk. Bullshit and, uh, and would be that. her talent. Bullshit yeah. would be her talent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. But you know, no, the New Year's here, and and mm. we're number. You know, we're, those numbers are great right now for murder. They're just going on. We're ahead control. of the curve, man. We're, we're really doing well. And, yeah, we're, um, we're murder, ca- murder yeah. capital from last year and yeah. uh, starting off with a bang. Uh, you know, but did you, yeah, well, let me ask you, so I don't know if we spoke about, but on, on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, um, especially in late evening, early morning, the fireworks were just insane in my area. Really? Just insane. And it was hilarious because I woke up the next morning and I, Open the front door, and it's. I just smelled like gunpowder. Yeah. The smell of like gunpowder everywhere, and it was just like insanity. And because you know, I passed out maybe around twelve fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tried to stay up. I uh, if it wasn't for the White Castle burgers, I probably would have slept. You know, fell asleep at ten. You know, but those burgers okay, kept were, me up with the kicking in with the acid and the, right. the, uh, the grease in China yeah. and whatever they call it. But it was crazy. But I did watch. I don't know, you know, I don't go out on New Year's. I don't know if you did or not. But I did watch some of the programming that mm-hmm. leads up to uh, midnight. Right. Uh, Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' yeah, Eve. Dick Clark, he's a rocker, dude. Yeah. He's, no, he's dead, right? Yeah, he's been dead. Yeah, he's still dead. dead. He's yeah, dead. yeah. He was a good guy. They're carrying on uh, in his yeah. honor, though, for many right. years. Right, they're still doing it. But I saw that uh, uh, there was a Dolly Parton and Miley Cyrus New Year's Eve special. Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah, I saw bits oh, wow. and pieces Sorry, of it. I missed yeah, it. Yeah, and I was watching it. And the whole time, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking to myself, well, here's a legend and a whore. <laughs> and I'm watching this the whole time. Sure. And, Pretty uh, accurate. Yeah. You know, uh, and then I changed the channel. And then I went to CNN where there was uh, two gay guys who don't drink celebrating New Year's Eve, you know. So that was depressing there. Oh, that so was on NBC, right? Or I don't NBC, know. NBC, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea. I was just flipping channels. And then I, I wound up on reruns of Roseanne. That's perfect. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Which was perfect because she's a funny lady. Yeah. Well, I saw at the end uh, at at some point. I I I haven't. I've yet to watch this, but I saw a still from it where they had uh, uh, David Byrne 
and uh, Miley Cyrus doing a duet of of, uh, I of saw Bowie's that. "Let's Dance." I saw that, and someone was saying, "I got. I still have to watch it on YouTube." But someone was saying that David Byrne did a fantastic job; that he was so, uh, you know, s- such a an accurate reading and really, really sang the shit out of it. And Miley Cyrus, you know, she she's kind of embarrassing you to. Yeah, to watch, I was embarrassed know. for David Byrne watching it because uh, I just felt that he was giving it his all, and and the people around him just were not up to par. That's, huh. what, that's what I got from it. I'll have, you well, know. you know, certainly putting him next to Miley yeah. Cyrus, you would expect right. him to go back into his, his standard. They should have uh, put him with Dolly Parton. Well, yeah. That have been perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's, that's, uh, yeah no. Yes, uh, some talent befitting and his he uh, he stature. Liked, uh, he could, he could uh, hang on to her chest. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, he's an insect, David Byrne. That's what he's, an <laughs> he's a good guy, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. Know? We, we Speaking like of big Byrne. things, okay. uh, I went and... Uh, 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 on New Year's weekend, I think it was the Friday before the big New Year's, um, I went to the movies. Okay. You know, it's been a while since you were in the yeah, theater, huh? Yeah, I haven't, yeah. Um, and I went and saw um, that movie, The Whale. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the, the video booze, but uh, I don't know. No, actually, no. Uh, actual those, theater. They don't have those anymore, man. <laughs> I think Come they on. still do, uh, like the airline well, adult books. You wouldn't books. know. I, well, I, I, wouldn't I don't know. know. That's I, what I my sources know. tell me. Yeah. I think you can yeah. you can still have some uh, video booze that you can go cruise, you know, in your lunch hour, <laughs> 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 if you're so inclined. Uh, your lunch hour is all day, Renee. Well, yes. sure. You know, yeah. it's, I, I got my really got my pick of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They come in shifts. But anyway, so you went to the theater and you saw The Whale. What do you think of The Whale? I thought it was uh, very well acted it was almost like a play that's with uh, with um, what's his name the guy uh, who played the mummy uh, yeah. uh, uh, Brendan Fraser Fraser right right yeah right. he's like a 600 pound guy he's having a career comeback right he kind of uh, fallen out of the something yeah and, some... and it takes him to gain 600 pounds to have a comeback okay well, I appreciate the commitment but so. Uh, so the wife and I went to a matinee show and it was a good movie. I didn't care for the ending, and and, and I like the filmmaker. Uh, he's a really good filmmaker because uh, he's very twisted. But this was more like a play, I think. And you know, he didn't really have many camera tricks and stuff like that, except for the end, where I thought it was disappointing. But um, I walk into the theater. We got there a few minutes early, and I'm I, I thought of you because okay, can't wait I, uh, find because out of all the the people who who were the earlier showing left all their discarded popcorn and, uh-huh. and you instead of paying for fresh popcorn you like to eat discarded popcorn garbage popcorn yeah, yeah. now do you still do that <laughs> i will do that <laughs> oh my god you're fucking sick <laughs> Even after the pandemic, he'll still eat discarded popcorn because he's a cheap fuck. He won't buy an $8 bucket of popcorn. He's a bass player. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, what's the difference? You know, if if you would share your popcorn with anybody... What's the difference? I mean, it's like I don't think somebody has. Know, but do you go to the movies with anybody? You go with people you know, family, right? Right, but I but mean, you don't go to the movies with anybody. But my point is, you don't is, pick up someone on the street and go, "Hey, you want to go to a movie?" Sure, but I mean, I'm we'll saying split one box. I'm saying, we'll I'm split saying a bucket of uh, discarded I'm, popcorn. I'm saying I don't think the stranger, the random stranger, is is any dirtier than anybody else in my family. I mean, just, we're all just admit it. You're a cheap fuck. Well, no, no, I, <laughs> you I, just I, don't want to pay for popcorn. Well, <laughs> you just don't want to pay mean, for popcorn when you, when you have a. Break Brand new uh, 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 box that's you know it's it's um, that's mostly still there. I don't know. 
I know this is just me. Everybody's looking at me like yeah, I'm insane. I think it is just you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. But, the, but, the, but the secret's out. Yeah, you know, well, I've uh, said it before yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, before many, 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 many moons ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out the garbage popcorn, yeah. folks. It's always there, you know, because some people get that extra large thing, and then sometimes they'll go and get a, uh, a refill, and then so they got a lot left, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does it at the at the at the video booth too. He gets Probably recycled so. uh, a tissue. That's what he does. He goes and gets the recycled. T- he's too d- cheap to bring his own tissue or buy his own tissue. Look at the recycled tissue. Yeah, you know, especially from the old guys who don't have much left in them. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. just tear that yeah. part off. Right, right. You gotta yeah. save money where you can, man. Yeah. What a cheap fuck, man. Anyway, well, you know, uh, we, we need to get our guest in here, but uh, I, I ran across an interesting piece of information that I wish, I wish I had a few weeks ago. You know, we had uh, Rock and Doopsie Jr. on as a guest here just a couple of weeks ago here in, uh, in uh, Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge. But I ran across this piece of trivia yesterday, which would have been great to be able to bring up with him, which is... That he's really not junior. The the Sex Pistols, <laughs> when they played their their one American tour, which you know famously ended in San Francisco with the band breaking up. Well, they played uh, Baton Rouge. In fact, our guest might have even been there, or could have been there. But uh, but uh, they played like the the crawfish or something, uh, something like that. The Bayou. The did they play the Bayou? I don't what, think it was. It was some some place else. But. Uh, so their opening act was Rock and Doopsy Senior. Oh wow! No way. <laughs> yes, yes, Rock and. <laughs> That's so funny. Rock and Doopsy Senior was the opening act on the Sex Pistols uh, Baton Rouge play there in whatever it was, 1980-1979. So anyway, it would have been fun to bring up, but uh, here we had to bring it up in his absence. But uh, oh, we got it out there. Well, we he's dead, Rock and Doopsy. Right? Rock and Doopsy Senior, yes. Oh, but, um, okay. but I think uh, Rock, Rock and Doopsy Junior would have enjoyed that story. Well, maybe he'll hear it on the podcast. I think he's a listener now. Oh. Well, uh, maybe we good. should get to our guest. What do yeah, you think, man? Yeah, sure. No, well, one one last thing, okay. actually, because uh, you kind of remind me of him. No, oh, okay. No. Um, you know, I'm watching all the. Uh, it's bowl season. It was bowl season. I'm watching all the uh, college football bowl games and stuff. It's too bad. Yeah. Well, well, there was only a, there was only a few ga- good games, but I'm watching. You know, they have the college football playoff, the playoff with the playoffs. The, pl- the four best teams play, and there's the first semifinal game was uh, Michigan versus TCU. Now, you know how you watch football? I don't know if you're a sports guy or not. I really don't know. No. I don't, I don't even know your name. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, they cut away to people in the crowd cheering, or they go to the cheerleaders, or they go to the sideline, they see the coaches and all that. But, you know, for the most part, it's fans. You know, they show the fans and all that. And um, it's Michigan versus TCU. And they cut. And I'm watching this. They cut to this fan, this guy, and he's jumping up and down, and he's got a T-shirt that says, Dahmer went to Michigan, <laughs> which is true. He did go to Michigan okay. for like a year before he dropped out. And I thought it was the most hilarious. <laughs> Dahmer went to Michigan. And he was, you could tell he was a Michigan fan. So I don't know why he's... He was you know, proud of that. Yeah, I guess he was proud that yeah. Dahmer went to Michigan. <laughs> you know, Michigan lost the game, but um, they had a really good uh, meal after the game, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, organ meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. You nice. know, but I thought that was great. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's On funny. national TV. On national... And I, gu- I guarantee you the cameraman 
who did it and whoever was in the booth, you know, going, you know, director going, camera two, camera three. When he saw, he went camera three and he said, Dahmer went to mission, <laughs> cut away, camera four. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> camera four. You know, anyway, introduce uh, our guest because he's moment. excited. I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Donner well, went to Michigan. <laughs> so this is a guest I've I've known him forever. He seems to have always been in New Orleans as long as I was aware of of you know uh, people outside of my family. He's a terrific guitar player, uh, engineer, producer, road manager, stage manager, studio builder. He's a multi talented guy, uh, and he's been in all kind of bands. Uh, we'll, we'll, he, We'll get into all of that uh, very quickly, but without further ado, the great Mr. Dirk Billy. Welcome, Dirk. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me here at Snake and yeah. Jake's. And uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed you guys in all of the interviews that I've heard so far. Oh, nice, so nice. So I'm excited so to be here. So that's two? Yeah, yeah, one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, he knew, he knew that, uh, what's the thing you called up that uh, you didn't like? Uh, donuts in the in, summertime. So that donuts was good. in uh, That was from Carlos. The, the Carlo Nuzio. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or his yeah. memorial the Party. Yeah, yeah, the, the Carlo, pre, the Carlo Fest. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so you you actually were, were here, as I mentioned, in the, the heart of the Clempire, and uh, you know you go way back with the Clements brothers, right? I do, uh, Dave I, and actually, Cranston. Absolutely. Um, I was tripping on LSD in like 1976 or 77, and I was walking down Magazine Street. And I heard this incredible band, and it, it sounded like somebody was playing Cream or Hendrix over their stereo. Uh-huh. So I wandered into this house off of Jefferson and Magazine, and it was the Clements Brothers playing. Huh. I had no idea who they were. Uh-huh. Uh, I was tripping balls. And and I sat, sat there and watched them for the next hour and a half and then started talking to them, and that's how I met the brothers. All right. And I think that was even pre-Sex Dog. It okay. Was, it was just yeah, yeah. Playing. Sex Dog didn't start till like 1979, sure, I think, something sure. like that. Yeah. I was actually at Sex Dog's first gig, which was I think at Luigi's out there. Uh, no way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where the radiator started. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and yeah, we used to play across from Luigi's with uh, with Chris and Tom Fitzpatrick. Okay. The, the same same night on Wednesdays, so that we would get crossover from both bars. Cool, uh, man. The radiator started seventy nine. Was so. what was that? Elysian Fields. Oh no, that was seventy seven. I think. Uh, that was on. That yeah, was it was on, on Elysian, Elysian Fields. Fields. Yeah, yeah, you're right there by UNO. Well, uh, well, let's let's get into your your history here in New Orleans. So so uh, I know you're not a New Orleans native. I mean, you weren't born here, no. but you've been here uh, as long as I have. Hurricane Betsy. I came right after Hurricane Betsy. Okay, so sixth which grade. was sixty five. Hurricane yeah, I Betsy. Was, I, I was, was a, I was a sixth grader. Okay. So you, you, you move here. Um, uh, what neighborhood do y'all live in? What part of the area? Well, we were living in Missouri. Okay. And I was originally from Mobile, but my father was working in Missouri. And um, he got transferred to New Orleans. Um, so we moved down here, and all I, I was a country bumpkin. I didn't know shit about the city. And uh, we get down here the first night, and... Uh, my father decides to, you could drive down Bourbon Street then. So he drove us down Bourbon Street, my little sister and me. And there's, it was insane. I mean, you know, there were naked women everywhere and all these transvestites and, and music playing and drunks, you know, puking and pissing in the street. You know, and I'm a sixth grade altar boy. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking to myself, what the hell have I gotten into? This is just hell. You know, it's horrible. <laughs> but your dad dug it, right? Oh, yeah, of course he did. He was, uh, he was into music yeah. and, you know, he, ended, yeah. he, he was a member of the Playboy Club and he went to the Al Hurt Beat uh, Fountain Club. Oh, really? 
And uh, he was Playboy a Playboy Club fan. in New Orleans. Yeah, it was a, on on. Bourbon. I was a member of the Playboy Club in L.A. Oh, really? No shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, they had great music. I mean, I didn't. Yeah, well, get, I never went. But. Well, when the Playboy Club, I mean, that's before my time in New Orleans. But uh, I know that uh, I think Al Boletto had the band there, and yeah. and Johnny Vodakovich was the drummer. He was very the drummer, he was for very Al. young. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, your father was probably playing down in that neighborhood a lot. Well, my father had the the steady job at the Claiborne Towers, which then became the Sheraton on on. On, uh, Canal and Claiborne. Oh, okay. And they had a lounge on the first floor called the Gollywog. And my father played every Friday and Saturday night at the Gollywog for probably 10, 12, 15 years or something before I was born and the whole time I was growing up as a little kid. And when Vodakovich was in uh, at, at Loyola, but even before he was at in, in playing with the Playboy Club, he was a college student. Maybe he was even like 17, like even younger before he went to college, but he would come sit in with my father because my father had this drummer, uh, Charlie Blanc, who also played Charlie vibes. Blanc taught at UNO when I, when I was living out at the lakefront. Right, right. Yeah. So he was a great drummer, also a great vibes player, and he left his vibes set up there at the club because they played every week, so they left the organs. My father had an organ trio. And guy, the organist played bass pedals. You know, my father, you know, played saxophone, clarinet, flute, and sang some tunes. And but Johnny would come sit in and play drums because usually my father would play drums when when uh, when when Charlie Blanc would play vibes. Anyway, so Johnny Vodakovich. So we're getting very yeah, far afield yeah, here. Yeah. So uh, so, so sixty five. So right. yeah. So so we lived on the West Bank and we lived in Marrero. Okay. But closer to Lafitte on the road to Lafitte, uh-huh. Barataria Boulevard. So I get down here, and I'm, I'm this country bumpkin, you know, and, and all, the, all the kids were, like, having sex and making out. And, you know, and they all had ducktails and beetle boots and tight How jeans. I was in the sixth grade. And the kids were having sex in the sixth grade. Well, they were pretend, they were telling us they did. Yeah, uh. yeah. They were making out at the movie theater, and they all had girlfriends. And yeah, it was fucking nuts. Okay. <laughs> and what was your dad? What did he do? He worked for a dressograph multigraph. He 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 was the regional manager for a business company, a business machine company. Oh, uh, okay. In New Orleans, and we uh. were living on the West Bank. So, uh, and and one of my one of my. Uh, so anyway, I, I went to a Catholic boys and girls school there till eighth grade, and then I went to Shaw, which was an all boys Catholic school. Right. And you know, all the brothers and priests were completely gay. Sure, and sure. It was insane. No, no one ever hit on me because I was so fucking ugly, so I didn't have any problems with that. <laughs> all right. Good. Fortunately, nice, but, but, nice. but dodged a bullet there. But one of my well, you like Renee, you couldn't, you couldn't, you can't keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a big yeah. mouth. Yeah, they uh, could tell. Yeah, I would have told I, immediately. I, I, I was there. cute, but I had they could tell I had a big mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, what you living over there on the West Bank? Did you know uh, Carlo Ditta? Yeah, well, and, not not at the time. Okay. No, Carlo was in a different kind of a world than me. Okay, because his we family had, had a lot of money. We had you know? both Carlo Ditta and Carrie Brown. Well, uh, I didn't know Carrie. Carrie come from over well, there. Carrie and I ended up playing with Mighty Sam McLean together. Right. Well, Carrie found Mighty Sam McLean when he moved back to town. So Carrie Carrie went to West Jefferson, and I was at Shaw. Uh, Johnny Thomasy, the drummer from mm-hmm. Tom Waits and Dr. John, he was from the West Bank, and his sister was one of my classmates okay. in grade school. So I met Johnny through them. So fast forward, I get, I'm get i playing music in high school. So how do you start playing music? You're playing uh, guitar as your my, first My instrument? father bought me a guitar, he, and uh, I, I, he, he, he had a friend at work that, that had a reel-to-reel tape recorder, and I had a reel-to-reel tape recorder that my uncle had given me. So I was, I had, he brought me a Muddy Waters reel-to-reel. 
after the rain and it blew my fucking mind i was like this is i want to do that you know so i started listening to muddy waters and i had an acoustic guitar i eventually got an electric guitar and so that was when i was a freshman i went to the warehouse and i saw little richard and then i went another concert and i saw uh pink floyd and the allman brothers and i was literally leaning on the stage looking at pink floyd right in front of me david gilmore and the whole band and so that kind of changed my whole perspective. Was that one life. bill, Pink yeah, Floyd the and the yeah, Allman Brothers? Yeah, May 15, wow. 1970. Interesting pairing. Yeah, and there's a photograph of the stage, and you can see the back of my head. I've got real short hair, and my, my ears are sticking out. You can see the back of my head up against two people back from the front of the stage. It's pretty crazy. And, right? Uh, so, man, the warehouse, for, for those that don't know, it was, uh, you know, right there on Chapatulas, uh, a legendary place where our former guest, uh, Sidney Smith, was kind yeah, of Sydney the took a lot of pictures. unofficial that, that photographer That was probably a picture there. that he took of, of Pink Floyd with me in it. Right, because he, he took so many photographs of the Allman Brothers band, which was almost like the house they band They were the there. house band. Okay, yeah. they played and there they, all they, the time. So the warehouse went from 70 to 82. And uh, they would play on Sundays in Audubon Park. And Jimmy Robinson played out there in the 70s, too, with Ejaculation. Right, right. And Former guest. Yeah. <laughs> That's a name you before, can't forget. Before, before Laugh in the Dark and before Woodenhead, that was Jimmy's band. I, don't, I forgot what his first band was called, but I knew, I knew Jimmy back then from that. And uh, so anyway, we, we, I, I started a it band. It was pre-ejaculation. Yeah, pre-ejaculation, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no foreplay either. Sure. Yeah. And and so so we um, we started a band, me and my friends in high school, and we started playing Johnny Winter and Almond Brothers and Muddy Waters and stuff like that. We were terrible. Okay. And and uh, and and we just uh, you know we went on from there. When I went to college, I kept playing. You know, and and I didn't really start playing. My father was always into New Orleans music, and I was very aware of it. But I really didn't start playing. You know, R and B and funk until i was like 19 or 20. okay yeah. now at that time in new orleans the 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 late 60s early 70s they still had like so many great shows coming through you had like the saint bernard civic center they yeah, used to have yeah. shows you know yeah. I, I know the the uh, zappa played there lou reed's lou uh, reed was uh there. you know played yeah. there and that that band the rock and roll animals rock and uh, roll animals tour. Yeah. yeah yeah that was much later I think. Okay. But there was a lot of music, you know, on the West Bank and and on the uh, on the East Bank, you know, at, at the late 70s, early 70s. The Malone brothers had a band. Um, you know, well actually Dave Malone had his own band and Tommy had a different Tommy was still young, but he he was starting to play music. They were from Edgard, which right. is on the West Bank. Right, right. So and, that's uh, the the early days, like uh, pre Rhapsodizers, or, or or no, no, he wasn't in the Rhapsodizers. That was Ed. That was that in was Ed Volker and but, Clark but, and uh, and Clark uh, Vreeland. Oh, yeah, right, right. And yeah, Becky you, Curry. Yes. And Frank Boa. But Frank, back when I was in high school, Frank was in the Palace Guards, and they actually went out to California and did a whole bunch of stuff out there. You know, okay, they, they were pretty big. And, uh, now, when you say you went to college, did you stay here in New Orleans for college? No, I went to LSU. Bad went Rouge. to LSU? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was horrible. I, yeah, I, I bad. Hated it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. terrible place. I, and I lived in the dorm. Yeah. Uh, and the dorm was in the fucking stadium, so the the stadium seats were concrete and my roof of my dorm was the stadium <laughs> seats oh, so when there was a stupid ass LSU game yeah. you know everybody would be making racket and shit and we would just and you, know, you couldn't study we'd go you down to the levee yeah. and yeah. smoke pot and yeah play there you guitars. go do they still have dorms under the stadium? To this no, they tore that yeah. stadium down and yeah, they put okay. up a, you know they yeah. got a multi gazillion yeah, dollar the, yeah, modern college stadium yeah. now. 
but yeah, so I left LSU. I met Fred Noblock, though, when I was at LSU. And Fred, he uh, wrote uh, Misty Blue by Dorothy Moore. Mm-hmm. He was an excellent guitar player. And uh, I was already kind of into jazz and, and stuff at that time from high school, one of my buddies in high school. But Fred turned me on at, to Weather Report. And we went and saw Weather Report when it was Joe Zawinul and Miroslav Vietus. We drove to Lafayette and saw them. That kind of changed my life. Okay. And uh, eventually when I left LSU, my, my big hangout was Lou and Charlie's. That's where I would go every weekend. Sure. I remember my parents going there many times. Alvin Baptiste, uh, Henry right. Butler. Mezikowski played there. Ju- Julius Farmer. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, St- uh, Scott Gudo brought his band down from Lafayette. Right. Scott Gudo. Sebastian. Ricky Sebastian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, so that all those, they were all coming guys. in through there and. And I guess about that, that was like late 70s. And uh, we would go down to the Absent Bar and see Charlie Brent and Luther Kent and Dave Watson and Johnny right. V on, on drums. Well, or, or Alan, Alan Robinson, right, on, on drums. Yeah, and, and Alan that, started out on drums with them. That's right, right, right. That's right. right. He, he, he came from Wayne Cochran. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that, that whole band. Him and Charlie were from Wayne Cochran. At, at one time in that Luther Kent band, almost everybody in the band except for Luther had been on the Wayne Cochran band. Yeah. Was, that was like the, the Wayne Cochran band uh, in exile. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, it was some amazing days. Yeah, you know, what a, some, what a, some amazing music down there. I mean, people would come in and out, and Eric Traub and all these amazing horn players would come in there and play. Clyde Kerr. Yeah, yeah, um, man, tremendous. Um, well, so you know, you 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 wind up playing and in, in with with all these guys, Gatemouth. You wind up uh, you know playing with him, Gatemouth Brown. You wind up uh, road managing him, and 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 you have this this whole uh, you know uh, career on stage and and backstage, but. But before that, you're you're always involved in music. You're you're working at the Peaches Record Store, right? Uh, for years, next to Luigi's, next to Luigi's, and uh, you know, then you're and you work at Leisure Landing. Uh, now, was Leisure Landing was on Magazine Street? It was Street? on Magazine Street. Now, yeah. Julie Ebel, I think, was Julie, the, yeah, she was there, uh, a um, worker I, there. I met that whole little crowd, that old, uh, the whole crowd you knew, like Carlo, Carlos, um, Carlos Ball, Skip Bowling. Uh, all of the the punkers uh-huh. you know were working there and i didn't know anything about punk music you know at the time but i was more into new orleans music and and jazz but yeah that that was that whole scene was starting to erupt with clash and Right, and that whole early '80s thing it was pretty amazing. And that's why, you know, I, when I see you, it's like you seem like you've always been there, because because <laughs> every every situation I go, there's Derek, and you know, you always come off you you're you're so nice, and you have such a nonchalant kind of manner to you. You always give me the impression that you're just there helping out a friend. You know, you're like you're not quite on staff. You know, <laughs> you're just you're just helping somebody out in a jam. You know. <laughs> well, that's that's what I do. You right. Know, also. Right. But yeah, so so Leisure Landing was was eye opening. I, I met a lot of great musicians through there. And uh, in fact, I got a funny Gatemouth Brown story. We were all there just working one day, and Gatemouth Brown walks in, and he had a Schwagman's bag, a brown mm-hmm. Schwagman's groceries bag. And he sets it up on the counter, and he says, he used to call me Billy. It's my last name. Uh-huh. Hey, Billy, go get everybody and bring them up here. So I go round up the crew, you know, and we're all standing around. And he reaches in there, and he pulls out his WC Handy Award and sets it on the bar and on the, on the counter uh-huh. to show us. You know, he was so proud of that. Nice. And, now, who is WC Handy? He was a famous blues artist. Oh, okay. That, that, and they, they do a blues award every year, and it's like a it's, it's like a Grammy for blues artists. Yeah, the uh-huh. Blues Foundation. They, yeah. that's that's their highest award. Yeah, and, and Gates, Handy like award. you know, Gate is one of the most amazing blues artists that ever came from Louisiana. 
Yeah. Now, what is a gate mouth? I have no idea. You know? <laughs> well, this came up during the, the Doopsie episode, and I was saying they called him that because he has a wide jaw. He's got a big old mouth and a big, big, big you know, yeah, big, big chin. You know? Right, it's a mouth like a gate. Yeah. That's, that's and so he pulled out this award because he was trying to get laid or something, you think? I would think so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> think but all so. the little young punk rockers that like sex care. pistols yeah, and, and, you know, butthole surfers and stuff. They, they probably tried they to pawn it for some they dope. Would, they probably would have. <laughs> yeah. They didn't need... They, they had dope. There was plenty uh. of dope there. But uh, yeah, so yeah, Julie was there, and, and that's how I know Julie from that record store. Right, right. Because I'm a I huge would, music fan. Yeah, yeah, I would I would go in uh, as a teenager, go in there and hang around, try to flirt with Julie, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's always very sweet to me, so I thought, I think I might have a crack with this girl, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but, you probably did. Well, no, she was, it. she was, she was, uh, uh, no, I would have, I, I would have known it had, it had it been true, but she was, she was actually dating Clark Vreeland at that oh, time. Oh, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, so, no, you were uh, no competition for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, right. Phil Degree was, was, was when I first knew her, she was dating Phil. Oh, and, okay. And then Clark after that, but. Uh, Phil dated everybody. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, Phil gets around. He's, uh, he dated he's, Renee. He's, uh, yeah, I, was, I, know. Well, I wasn't going to bring <laughs> that up. But they shared a popcorn yeah, together. Yeah, they shared a popcorn together and some <laughs> tissue, too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Popcorn surprise, baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hot buttered popcorn. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so I guess the first R&B band I ever really got in was, um, well, I, I played with Jerry Pacento's brother. Do you, do you know Jerry? I don't. He's a he's a famous bass player. He played with Johnny Thomasy. Okay. Played with Dr. John a little while. Mm -hmm. And Jerry's little brother was a piano player, and and his name was Billy Pacento. And so Billy started teaching me New Orleans music, and then uh, Billy passed away, and I moved to New Orleans, and I started playing with the Pearls. I would go to the uh, to the Gentilly Bar. Um, what's it called? It's closed now. Oh, shit. The spider's web. No. No. no they, they do a parade every year still. Anyway, there was a cool small bar in Gentilly, and I would go hear the Pearls, and uh, their guitar player quit, and they asked me to join the band, and it was Ricky Stelma and Scott Scott Sherman and, and uh, Jerry, um, I mean, um, um, uh, uh, Bolero, uh, Jimmy Bolero. Jimmy Bolero. He played guitar, but then he played bass, okay. and then I joined the band. All right. And uh, we played all all over New Orleans. We we and we were they were straight up R and B. Uh, Pearls were meters, uh, old old R and B stuff, old Cosmo stuff. It seems like Gentilly had a heyday. Oh, it was unbelievable because yeah. we had that place. We had Luigi's. Because like you talk about Gentilly these days, and it's just nothing. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah, it's a horrible area. Well, it's still a nice place to live. It's quiet. Some the houses you know? are nice. Yeah, yeah but there's no culture. There's yeah, no culture there's out nothing. there to speak of. You yeah, know? exactly. I know. But yeah, we had that. We had the Luigi's Bar. UNO was cranking. We had Charlie Blanc teaching the jazz department out there. So you had a lot of kids that were in the jazz department that hung in that neighborhood. Right. And that's why we started playing across from Luigi's. We put a put a jazz band together with Tom Fitzpatrick and Chris Lackanack and myself and we were playing there uh, every Wednesday night. We, but and then I was in the Pearls as well. So that was your first contact with Chris Lackanack. That's how because no, I, my first contact with Chris was on the West Bank because his father owned a dairy. Right, right. I remember that. And Chris is a lot younger. He's like your age or younger. And, and he's a little and, bit older than me. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. is he really? I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know. It's he, hard. To he tell. looks good for his age. Sure. And uh, so Chris was uh, at the Fricky School of Music. 
the Fricky School of Music on uh, Carrollton yes. Avenue. Yes. Yes, I remember that. It's I right it was there by Ma- Willow Street. And huh? so he was going to Fricky. He didn't wow. go to regular school. And, <laughs> and he, had a, he had a garage, and his mother made Mardi Gras costumes. So they would let us practice in the garage. And so we would go over and jam with Chris. And he was just a kid, you know, and, and that's that was my first, you know, meet, meeting Chris. Okay. Then, he, then he went to UNO and, that, and studied under Charlie. He eventually went to uh, New York, and you know, well, years up. later, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, but so you're talking about Tom Fitzpatrick. I remember, and and maybe right after that, he had the band uh, Tom Fitz and the Misfits. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I don't know if Chris first played he had in that. Creo. Yeah, I think Chris played in, in Nebulous Creole, and then he played in the Misfits. And they had the, they had that bass player uh, Roy Dubose. Yeah, Roy was, played in the Pearls for a while. who was Clancy Dubose's brother. Still absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Roy was yeah. an yeah. excellent yeah, bass player. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Still. Roy is. played in the Pearls for uh, I don't want to say four years. Okay, Roy left he New lives, Orleans. He lives in L.A. now. Yeah, he left he New Orleans like anymore. like thirty. Five years ago, Fucking really incredible bass player. Oh yeah, great bass player, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, he he and I. Except were... he really liked the Cars, and I hated that fucking band. Oh, he kept trying to get us to play the. I cars. like the Cars. I like, can't stand the Cars. Oh, no, fuck them guys. No, I right? like the Cars. Oh, no. Horrible band. <laughs> oh, no. I remember when I was living in New York in '86. <laughs> I was down at a record store looking at records. I forget what neighborhood, but and there's all these punk kids and stuff like that working the record store. And Rick Ocasek comes walking by, and they fucking just gave him a mouthful of shit, man. <laughs> they just fucking abused him big time, oh, wow. man. He had to run, man. He had to run. <laughs> they were from like, Boston, huh? Yeah, they were yeah, Boston, yeah. man, which yeah. makes me hate them even, even more. Even more, yeah. 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 I, I saw uh, the Cars the first time they played New Orleans at the warehouse. No shit. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know they played there. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, man. So, so... So that fast forward a little bit, you know, the Pearls were together for a long time. We played at the Dream Palace. We were the only other band to ever play the Mom's Ball with uh, the Radiators. Uh. And that's when you're talking about the Dream Palace when there was nothing going on on it was Frenchman fun, it Street. Was, it was you a could shoot a it cannon. Was, it down was a Frenchman's war zone Street. down there. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we would play every Monday yeah. at the Dream Palace, and Tommy Malone would play there with the Drifters. When he first started the Drifters, they played there, and uh, there was several incarnations of the Continental Drifters. But right, that must have been a really early one. That was Tommy and um, was Damon, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Blevins, Kenny Blevins, Vernon Rome from Tribe Nunzio Uh and Waka Waka, and uh, um, and Johnny Allen played guitar. Johnny Allen, and then I think Kenny left, and Damon joined the band, and then that's when Vernon came into the band, started playing. Okay. Uh, man, man, really making some connections here. Well, Manning, I'm looking at the uh, the clock and our drinks. And, oh, uh, yeah. Seems it's like time, time we take a break. I'm good with that. Yeah, we're going to take a break. You can grab another beer. What's that you're drinking? Pineapple? No, that's cranberry? It's Guinness. Guinness. Oh, look at you. Is it warm or cold? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like ice is my mixer. Yeah, there you go. All right, Trouble Nation, you know the drill. We'll be right back. Takes me on back to a tender young age. I had plenty of time. I wasn't no sage. Didn't curry no favor or salt no mine. Had chunks, variety, ground up fine. I'd use a little pinch to flavor each dish. Close my eyes and make a wish. Blow out the candles, hear the applause. It was a nice effect with a piss poor cause. Blue light.
each one in a spirit of joy We're like landing at the airport late at night Locked on to your runway in a field of blue light Blue light, blue light And we're back, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet I am Renee Coleman, back with our guest, Mr. Dirk Billy I like that name, Dirk Billy, man. It's a, it's a, Sounds like a country artist. It, it does. It really does. What kind of last name is Billy? What is it? That? It was. It's Danish. It's huh. Danish. But really? it, we were Williamson when we came into town, and they changed our name. Wow, really? At Ellis <laughs> Short, Island, shortened it to Billy. <laughs> Billy, Dirk at, Billy. At, okay. Ellis Island, they changed your name. I, I don't know if it was Ellis Island or where yeah, it yeah, happened, but right. it happened somewhere along okay. the line. Okay, right. somebody yeah. playing fast and loose with your with yeah. Well, your actually, the the the. The Seminole chief, the Seminole Indian chief, is a Billy. I don't know if he's related to me. Okay, that's you don't. Wild. Right, you don't look native. No, I but, don't. But uh, but Dirk, um, you know, being familiar with the Trouble Men podcast, you you must certainly be familiar with our trials and travails on the uh, sponsorship front. I, I know exactly uh, where you're at with that. You we, know where we're we going. Need some small change. Some some loose change. Yes, people, loose and small. <laughs> people all some big loose change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, the the nation knows we don't need to uh, to wear it out. That you know, loose change is everywhere. We know you have some loose change. We have a couple of easy uh, uh, avenues to uh, to support the podcast. We have those links, the Venmo link and the PayPal link and the show notes of every show and the the uh, that top pinned uh, Facebook page. Um, we got a lot of links. We got some links, yeah. uh, some hyperlinks, some hot links. Uh, Wasn't Link on Mod Squad? Wasn't he a character? Yeah, he oh was. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Which the, one was the black he? guy? That the was black Link. dude was Link. Yeah, yeah. What was his name? I don't know. His, I know his I don't real know name. The actor's name. Yeah, Denzel. He, no, no. He was in a lot of cool shit. He was in, he was some, in a bunch some of cool stuff, stuff though. though. He was yeah. like an I Spy. I saw him. He was in uh, also Omega Man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. One of my favorite movies with Charlton Heston. Yeah. So remind me about the TV shows after you do this. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, we also have a Patreon page uh, if you want to uh, take the guesswork out of supporting the podcast because you're listening to it week in and week out. You know, you join the Patreon page and, and uh, become a patron and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it does it automatically. In fact, we have uh, give a shout out to Eddie Voynick, our latest patron. Who, cool. uh, thank who, you, Eddie. Who, yeah, yeah. All right, Eddie. You know, he's, he's a he's a big supporter. He loves the the back and forth. He loves the guests. So uh, we we do appreciate that. So anybody that's you know hearing all these shows, uh, uh, don't wait. You know, go ahead and, and get involved now while while you still can. Before we're all dead. Before we're all dead. That's right. Because it's 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 coming. It's coming very soon. Yeah, we could be shot. Soon. Yeah, oh yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, He's a gun owner. Too. We don't know who Dave is pissed off, but I'm so not yeah. packing right now. Yeah. Um, uh, and anyway, so uh, also uh, follow us on social media: Facebook, uh, Instagram, and uh, rate and review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Subscribe there. Uh, give us five stars. Got a nice five star review. Uh, it goes on and on. I, I read uh, read the other day. Uh, maybe I'll pull it out next time. And, uh, you know, we still have the, the old friend of the show, Brant Ryder, uh, Manny's old, old buddy from uh, L.A. He's got the, the Great Escape Baking Company. They uh, do uh, terrific uh, brownies and cookies with that uh, Delta 8 THC in them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we got oh, the. Yeah. And they also have the, uh, the Healing Dragon Liniment. It's uh, got, so uh, good, man. It's like a it's topical bomb. Does that go with the tissue? Well, it, it could, it could. Yeah, I could see how those two could work in conjunction. But, uh, but yeah, it's got the 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 Chinese ancient Chinese 
secret with the uh, THC. So uh, check that out. We have the the uh, the link to the Great Escape uh, Baking Company in the show notes as well. And you know he's such a fan of the show. He's not a sponsor, but he he is uh, uh, giving the Troubled Nation a fifteen percent discount if you use the Troubled oh, cool. One Five uh, yeah. discount code, which is right there uh, next to the link. That, that and in this cold cold weather. That stuff works on your bones, man. Awesome. You know, because we're, we're old guys, you know, in this cold weather, man, yeah, it, it hurts your bones. Have some, you know? some, some arthritis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the arthritis and all that. And this stuff works, man. It works okay. really well. All right, so, 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 so HBO us, people. <laughs> HBO us. Okay. All right. I'm not sure what that means, but that sure. That means help a brother out. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Come on, Renee. All right, all right, all right. Well, you know, it. Actually, if we're getting it down to, to some... Uh, uh, HBO us, people. You know, I was thinking so many people have passed away recently, and it's always like, you know, Barbara Walters, uh, R.I.P., you know, rest in peace, or, you know, uh, Walter Wolfman Washington, R.I.P. Oh, Barbara Walters died? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what they say. Oh, know. God. But uh, uh, recent death, anyway. So, you know, rest in peace. And I think, well, is, is there something that, that we could come up with for people that you're happy they're dead like you know the the old the ex-pope you know cardinal ratzinger you know the only uh uh hitler youth pope you know it's like well you don't want to say rest in peace maybe like uh burn in hell cardinal ratzinger b-i-h anyway i'm just throwing it out gfr good fucking riddance okay but i've said that before over the last couple years it's like you know every year they have these tributes to people who died. Right, in memoriam. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and memoriam. And I, I've always thought, you know, it'd be great to have a tribute to people who should have died <laughs> in the past year. Do yeah. some horse trading. I, there I, you go. I, I like that. I'd yeah. trade two Barbara Walters for one fill-in-the-blank. There yeah. you go. Yeah. All right, well, uh, enough of that. Uh, back to our guest, Mr. Dirk Billy. So, uh, Dirk, you know, you're, you're, you're playing in these, these, uh, these R&B bands, um, and, and we could, you know, you, you play in the Bones Explosion, which is a, a storied band. It kind of starts the people playing at Benny's Bar. We don't want to get too dug into that because we need to move quickly here through all this. You, you hook up with Mighty Sam McLean. That was a big moment in my life. Right, so Mighty Sam McLean... Uh, uh, Carlo Ditta puts out a record well, on no, him. It was, it was before that. Well, okay. Yeah, Kerry Brown came to me and said, "Mighty Sam McLean has moved to town, okay. and he's living in his car." So we took him in. We put a band together around him, and we called it Brownsville. It was Kerry's band. We put a horn section together. We all bought, bought suits and stuff, and we started playing around in all the black clubs. R&B review stuff. Yeah, we were yeah, playing yeah. in Dorothy Medallions, wherever Irma would play. Between the Sheets, the Colt 38, the Hollow Point, all these fucking crazy <laughs> ass wow. lines that look like this. Two jacks. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and we did that for quite a while, uh, maybe two years and mm -hmm. and sam had a vodka problem and and uh carrie got frustrated and left um we by 84 the brownsville was breaking up so me and sam became roommates and that's when we met wayne bennett and wayne uh, bennett yeah from wayne bennett uh, uh 
great guitar player, played Bobby with Bobby Blue Bland, Bland yeah. forever, uh, maybe started recording at Chess Records as a 16-year-old 16 16 or something. 16 years old. Played on so many sessions. Studied, studied classical music at three different schools in Chicago. He was an amazing man, and and uh, so so Wayne moved here, and, and me and Wayne and Sam played quite a few gigs together. This is prior to you probably playing with him, right? And and, uh, and and so we would play all these gigs, and we had a steady gig at the Colt Thirty Eight on Sundays. That's where all the black New Orleans policemen went, and it was a Masonic black Masonic temple. Mm -hmm. So we played there every Sunday, and 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 you know Sam would get drunk, and people would come in and sit in, like Tommy Ridgely. Johnny Adams, that's our ironing board Sam. Nice. But sure. yeah, it was, a, it was a really cool Sunday who's event. Who's who of, of New Orleans absolutely. Uh, R&B guys. And, so, uh, wait a minute, how can you have a problem with vodka? Well, if you run out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was the problem. That yeah. was problem. It was never enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For uh, Sam. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. understand that, Manny. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I don't understand. Hey, most of the time, he, don't was, have most of the time he was fine. You know? Most of the time? Yeah, most of the time he was fine. So you're playing in front of the cops. They loved us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you did that because to get rid of your traffic tickets? That didn't work. No. It didn't work with no, that. They fact, weren't cutting it, any slack. No, they didn't yeah. cut us any slack, but they loved <laughs> Sam and they loved our band. And uh and we they kept us there for quite a while. And then now eventually does, you, does Eugene Ross uh, come into the picture? Eugene Ross wandered into uh Benny's one night. And okay. started and sat in with us. Now Eugene Ross, I was talking about him the other day to somebody. He was uh, uh, had uh, one leg. He'd, he'd lost his leg somewhere, so he had a, a you know a, a leg. prosthetic leg. Yeah. yeah. And, but he's a terrific guitar player. And there's a story that I'm sure you've heard this recording of uh, uh, it's the Ray Charles band. And there's a guy in the band who's real drunk and he's starting to curse at it Ray was Charles. Yeah, he's, he's going. And this is a famous recording, like back before the internet, everybody would pass these tapes around, you know. And this guy's going, This man is a dog. Fuck you. Fuck you. And Ray Charles is going, Oh, God bless him. Bless his heart. Is there security here? Can we get security? Uh, God bless him. He's like, he's like, security, fuck you. This man is a dog. <laughs> that, was, so that was Eugene. I'd heard that for years, you know, and then, then I was playing with Eugene with Johnny Adams. And, and also Eugene played with Porgy Jones, who I, I played sure. with a bunch. And uh, somebody said, that's Eugene on that tape. And I asked him, I was like, Eugene, is that you? He goes, yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah, Eugene had a bunch of funny stories about, about Ray. He said that the only reason Ray toured South America was because of the coke. Wow. And and because of the racial tensions in the United States during the 60s, he didn't want to be and he didn't want to be out on the road. It was yeah. too fucking hard on black right. people. And he wasn't really blind, I heard. Well, maybe not. <laughs> He's not enough cocaine, I guess you can see anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see okay. some cool shit. Right. So so then I ended up at Ultrasonic and uh, I helped uh, Dave Farrell rebuild that place. Ultrasonic Studios. Recording studio. Uh, it, was a, it was a factory. We did, well, there was very few studios in New Orleans at that time. Uh -huh. And Jay Gallagher, had, it was like a factory. It was 24-7. We they were making records like just nonstop. You had Scott Gudo was Every, working there yeah, Scott one worked time. there. Steve but, Reynolds came in. But, but you, you said you, you rebuilt the whole place. How did you have any expertise in studio design or building I or didn't. any of that? I had no, no clue. <laughs> <laughs> but we did a great job. How did you get the job? You Like everything, you're just helping out a friend. Well, yeah, it, I was an electrician, so oh, okay. they needed that done for sure. Right. And Jerry Embry was working there. And, and so Jerry and I, and Dave Farrell and one of Jay's friend Jay Gallagher the owners was an architect so he built us some he drew up all these plans and we, it wasn't acoustically perfect or anything but it was soundproof 
And so that was the it was a beautiful room once we got through with it. Where was this? It was in it was right across from Xavier College. It was on, right on oh, Earhart, okay. Earhart yeah. Boulevard. All right, sure. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. at Washington Avenue. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah Washington, not yeah, Earhart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right off of Earhart when you go down. Right, to right, right. So that that was that was eye opening because I'd never been around expensive microphones or gears, and so I never went away. I, I finished building it and just stayed. Stayed, and they yeah. finally start paying you. <laughs> and, and sometimes, sometimes, you know, yeah, right? Sometimes, and and I met everybody there. I, met, I have a funny John Lee Hooker story there. Oh, tell us. So so, we, you know, we we were there recording all these amazing records for all these New Orleans musicians and Cajun bands and Dixieland bands. And we get a call one day, and Jerry goes, John Lee Hooker's coming to record here, you know? So we're like, that's awesome. So the next morning, he comes in, and, and I'm like, well, what is it going to be, David? He said, we're doing a pacemaker commercial for British television. I'm like, what the fuck? So, so John Lee shows up. He's very old at this time. He had just done that album with Van Morrison and that the duo record. Uh-huh. And he shows up. He's, he's impeccably dressed with a brown suit and his guitar, and he's got a driver. He comes, he comes waddling in, and he asked for an orange juice, so we gave him an orange juice. We took him out into the big room and set him up, and the British producer was there. And uh, we, we plug him all in, and the producer goes out and talks to him, and he goes, okay, Mr. Brown. I mean, Mr. Hooker, we want you to play 60 beats per second because this is a pacemaker commercial. And Hooker's looking at him like, yeah, whatever, you know. So, so he, he starts playing, you know, just doing his boogie, you know, uh-huh. the John Lee Hooker boogie. Right. He's just playing a little boogie and E. And the producer comes out waving his arm. No, 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 you got to stop. You got to stop. No, I need it to be 60 beats per second. Per minute. I mean, per minute. Right. And, and so, so Gate, I mean... Um, Hooker looks at him again and tries one more time. Then he then he stops and he he points to me and he goes like this because I'm watching him through the glass. Uh, it gives you the come here. Yeah, so here. I go out there and I lean down and he goes, "Go out back and get me a stomp board, a stomp mic board. it up." Yeah. So I went and got him a stomp board out of the back and made one and uh-huh. Dave mic'd it up. And then we get it all set up, and it's we get signal, and he, he he does that, and I lean down again. He goes, he goes, that band in there making me nervous. You tell him this is all he's gonna get, <laughs> one more time. <laughs> and so that's what he got. Okay. You know, that's, now was that's the Hooker story. in the commercial or just his music? Just his music. Oh, just they didn't the even mu- fucking video it. How 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 shameful is that? Wow, you know? crazy man. Yeah, so this guy was a fucking to- asshole. Yeah. Know? <laughs> well, he didn't know what he had there, yeah. <laughs> yeah fucking British, man. Yeah. But so, so, so through Ultrasonic and you working there, you wind up meeting all these people, right? That's how you, you meet George Porter. That's yeah. how you meet uh, Gate Mouth, Mouth Brown. And, and then uh, from there, you, you actually start uh, uh, doing live sound for George Porter, right? Right. That's right. kind of your with first. The, with the running partners. That your, was my first gig. Yeah. First live. He and, taught and me again, how, yeah, three o'clock sound checks, don't fuck up, record every show, you know, Typical George. You'd never done it before. You're no, just, you're just, no. you're well, helping, I'd, helping I'd, out I'd a friend. Well, I've done my own bands, you know. Right, but but again, you're just doing this job because you're helping out a friend, like right. everything. I mean, George asked me to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you go out and you 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 road manage for that band and and mix sound for and book some gigs for George. And okay. Then he put me on out at the Jazz Fest as a stage manager. Right, because uh, you uh, did that for for so long. And I was I was as I was preparing my notes, I had a note about you. It's like whenever I would. Just, see you as a stage manager oh it would it was it's such a a a comforting sight because 
you're a guy who, you know, that could be a hard job, stage managing well, you, you at You don't ever let them see you sweat. Because you got to turn them over real quick, man. You got people with, pro, with you know, take too long. You got to stay in schedule. And people can get snippy, uh, you know, stage managers, rightfully so. I never got the feeling that you were going to yell at me, you know? <laughs> just, you, I've, never, I've never yelled at anyone on stage just, because I was on the other side for so many years. I knew what it was like. Yeah. You know? yeah I mean, you're like, you, you, never, you, you never got short with anybody. It's like, uh, this is, he just, he's just helping out. <laughs> That's what you want him to feel, you know? Yeah, you were Dave, also a road manager, too? I, I was on the road with Gate Mouth for a while. And, and, uh, and whenever I do sound for bands, go out on so, the road. So let me ask you something. You work with these guys in the studio, you play with them and all that, and you, you're friends, and everyone has their own personality and stuff like that. Uh, but as a road manager, you're responsible for getting from A to B and all this kind of, all this kind of Now, how do the personalities change on the road? Well, most people turn into assholes on the road. Yeah. You know, and not me. I or tried children. not to. Yeah, so so we so the trip that you and I went on together, four bands through Europe. Right. It was how a, many fucking shows was that? I don't was, even remember. It was like maybe uh, eight or ten or 91. something. Ninety-one. So yeah, that was the uh, the. Escona Jazz Festival. Escona Jazz Fest tour with that rich Italian promoter asshole. Right, so, right. So, so we 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 had uh, you know, like you said, four bands: the Harlem All Stars Band, uh, brass band from New Orleans with Big Al Carson. You and Chris with Juanita Brooks. Yeah, we were backing up Juanita Brooks. And who was uh, playing piano? Was it well, Craig Roten? Was it was Craig. That's right. It that. was Craig. So, so you were you were uh, and Gatemouth Brown, and I was the road manager for all of y'all. Right, but you were, but but you. But came, Gate was my guy. You came in as the road manager for Gate. I mean, right. that's how you were there. Right. And I remember the first night we were there. You remember we we st- we, we landed in Bern, Switzerland. Sure. And uh, we're staying at this hotel that it was uh, it was like the fall, I think, and it was cool, and everybody had their windows open. There's no air conditioning there anyway, and uh, everybody had a central courtyard. And we're there. I think I'd gone and scored some some weed or something that afternoon, and we're like hanging out. I was sharing a room with Chris Lackanac, and you were there with smoking weed. Maybe the the Gates uh, uh, drummer was there. I can't remember his name. I remember what he looked like, but uh, uh, Lloyd Herman. Oh, very good, good. Uh, shout out to Lloyd Herman, man. Um, and we hear a fight between uh, Gate and his wife. <laughs> Yeah. across the courtyard and they're so loud and everybody it's, it's silent everybody can hear it in the whole hotel and and they're cursing at each other and after a while the the lloyd it must be lloyd or somebody starts starts screaming back at gate <laughs> like y'all shut up and and uh, yeah tell, that, that, i remember that but you do you you, you weren't there in the beginning when he, we first checked in I would always get Gatemouth checked in first because we were traveling with Gates' wife and his nine-year-old daughter, Renee, right. who I'm still friends with. Oh, okay. And, and um, so I would get Gate checked in and then work on everyone else to get their rooms, keys, and stuff. So we're checking in. It's a five-star, beautiful hotel in Switzerland. And and I think, it, was it Belgium or Switzerland? It was... Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. And so the, the elevator door opens and Gate sticks his head out the elevator gate usually dresses in full black cowboy regalia looking sharp you know he's got on a t-shirt sleeveless shorts 
and his cowboy boots and no no cowboy hat and his hair is sticking like straight up eight uh-huh. inches. <laughs> he looks like a he looks like a freaking black alien from God only knows where. And he goes, "Hey, Billy!" He screams across the lobby at me. All these people in the lobby and stuff. Right. And rich who, folks, who like the the Swiss looking at him. Yeah, they're like, like what the fuck? Definitely look yeah, like so an he alien goes, to Hey, them. Billy! I ain't got no hot water in my room. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I turn around. I go, "Gate, gate." It's okay. They they turn the hot water heaters off at a certain time just to conserve energy. He goes, that's a goddamn shame. No wonder these people smell so goddamn bad. And then he turned around and went back in the elevator and went back up to the room. That was my first moment in Europe with Gate. Oh, jeez, you know? jeez, yeah. And then he had to fight with, with uh, maybe about the hot water later, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, mm-hmm. but but the guys in the band, he couldn't tell who it was and they were yelling at him and he, and he starts going, who was that? Who who was yelling? I'm going to fire y'all. Who was that? And he couldn't identify who it was. Oh, gee, was, yeah, that was... That uh, was a crazy tour. Remember we were all mooing like cattle? After a while, because they were giving us those terrible sandwiches and they wouldn't give us any food. And I had to like buck up on the, the promoter oh, to geez. get us some real meals. Yeah, yeah. We're traveling on the on the bus and we're all on to, one to bus doing the day trips uh, back and forth. And oh, man, 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 man. That was crazy. Yeah. And do you remember this when we were driving through Rome and we going past the uh, the ruins and Gatemouth, you know, he's like he's like trying to be the tour guide. You know, he's uh-huh. like, look at that goddamn shit. Them Dagos ought to tear that shit down and put up something nice. Jeez. <laughs> 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 oh, and, and again, Gate, as, as always. And he'd been going over there since the 30s, you know. Yeah. Man. He didn't man. trust anybody. Yeah, and and the gate. I, I told the story a few weeks ago how when we first got there, I, I was going to go score some uh, some hash, and uh, he wanted to go with me. So I had to go down to the the oh, main, I didn't know this the main story. square in, in uh, Bern, Switzerland, with gate in tow, <laughs> with you know the the cowboy hat with the uh, you know covered in uh, in uh, sheriff's badges. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know because because I don't know why he wanted to accompany me. I was like, you just wait here. I'm going to talk to those kids there. You coming with me is just going to make this harder, please. <laughs> But but then the the whole time we're there as always. Gate is smoking his tobacco pipe that's full hash, of hash full underneath, of hash, yeah. and he thinks nobody can smell it because I'm just smoking tobacco. Right, right. Meanwhile, everybody's going, "Who the fuck is smoking weed, man?" Well, we went to Amsterdam. We broke away from y'all and played to Amsterdam Jazz Fest, and we had to go through Belgium to come back to Italy. And I tell the whole band, look, Belgium is fucked up. They'll shoot you with a machine gun if you get caught with weed or hash, you know, or drugs. So we, we had to tra- change trains in the middle of the night. And so we're, 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 we're the whole band. It's, it's all these big, ugly fellas and, and little Renee, nine years old, and his wife and Gate. So everybody's you like... You were nine years old? No, uh, Renee oh. was the, the daughter. Oh. Yeah. Renee, Renee Brown. Oh. And so... We're we're sitting there waiting on our train to come. We got all of our guitars and our luggage and stuff. And here come these two Swiss, I mean Belgium uh, officers with machine guns and dogs. Uh-huh. And the dogs start jumping all over the luggage, <laughs> right? And I'm thinking, what the fuck? You know, we're gonna go to jail. And they pull the dogs back and they look at us, you know, and they look at Gate and they just kept walking. It's not worth so it. So we get on the train and Gate lights up his pipe full of hash. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Gate, what the fuck, dude? You could have got us arrested. He's like. Look, they put that Beatle motherfucker McCartney in jail. Ain't nobody going to put me in jail. <laughs> it's like, man, Paul had just gotten arrested for pot in Japan or something. Right, right. Oh, so, geez. yeah, Gate was a, he was a, he was a handful. 
Man, oh man, yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. No, and every, and everybody on that tour had stories, you know, because of several of the people I'd played with, Craig had, and uh, Ben Samnell was playing with us on sax, and, uh, you know, so it, there was a lot of funny Gate stories every night. Well, I remember the other band, you're saying the, the, the Harlem All-Stars band. They all played with Billie Holiday and Count Basie. Everybody in that band played on, so I'm talking to the drummer, and 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 uh, he's a guy who had played with Sinatra in in like the '40s, like during the Bobby Sox era, and in New York, and when Sinatra was a huge star. And when Sinatra made the move to L.A., he asked this guy to come with him, and the guy's like, "Ah, Frank," you know. He said, "I was like, D why didn't you go?" He goes, "Oh, you know, Frank's career was kind of dying out at that time, you know." He's like, "Frank, I got a family here. No, I think I'm going to take a pass on that." <laughs> That's crazy. But that's who he, the the bass player on that band had played with uh, Louis Armstrong. Uh, uh, everybody in the band is one person after yeah, another. Yeah, several incredible. of them had played with Count Basie. Hanging with and those one, guys, and man. one of them knew Billy and had played with Billy Holiday on some gigs. Yeah, yeah, that was that was tremendous hanging yeah, with those people. The Harlem man. All Stars. My God, that was fucking amazing. What a great show that was. That whole that all those shows. Yeah, no, that was, that was, that was you remember cool playing in that castle in front of I don't know like forty thousand people or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That man. was wild. Yeah, well, yeah. I think on that trip we went to the uh, the the uh, Bavarian castle, the uh, castle of the last ba yeah. king of Bavaria. Yeah. Which is, that was the second time I'd been to that castle. <laughs> I didn't want to blow it. It's like yeah, I've been here before. Anyway. Yeah, no problem. I have seen that. But uh, but so at the same time that this was going on, you were working with Tribe Nunzio. Which was already a band that was yeah, that it was, was doing sound and playing. going out on so, the road with them. Jeff Treffinger, you know, a good good friend of the podcast. Holden uh, and Damon and Vernon and right, uh, Damon old Shea, yeah, yeah, from the Geraniums and and, and Tribe Nunzio, and uh, Chris Lackanac again was was on Tribe Nunzio at that time. Yeah, he and, well, they had two cute. First, it was Robert, and well, you know, Vernon wasn't the first bass player. Je Jeff forgot that it was a guy named Paul Armstrong. I remember seeing that guy one time. And at one Paul's of the wife told him, you, you know. He, they they were they adopted a child and he, she said you can't play rock and roll so that's when Vernon joined the band. Okay, he didn't join with Damon. But I remember on that trip, Lackanac was complaining the whole time about Tribe Nunzio because <laughs> <laughs> he he got in that band and he immediately started going to work on trying to get rid of Damon. Yeah, Shea, he wanted to kick drummer. Damon out, who was the original drummer and like, Jeff's best friend. It was like you know this, these guys are friends from fucking New Jersey or you know from forever, man. You're like the, you're barking up the wrong tree, man. I don't know why you're trying to do this. And I remember like it was yesterday, you telling him, Chris, you're playing in this band. All you have to do is play some keyboards and play a little bit of percussion. You're making like $600 a man per gig. What do you have to complain about? Right. <laughs> and I thought, there you go. That's that's Lackanac in a nutshell. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that's why he does his own band now. I mean, yeah, you know, well. he, could, he could never be in another band. It was hard. Oh. It was very hard for him. Very talented cat, though. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I just, Chris know. and I have you know known each other since. Uh, but since yeah, that was Loyola. that was that was the, the story, and, and right. uh, we went all through Colorado a couple times, and we would follow the subdudes and with Tribe Nunzio played Boulder. Right. Yeah, right. that was very yeah. very eye opening. And then I toured this with the Song Dogs as well. We went we went around. We had a big blue bus, okay. nineteen fifty five flexible flyer. Uh, old old uh, 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 high school classmate of mine, Allison Young. And, yeah, uh, well, yeah, yeah. I see yeah. Allison all the time. I, I yeah. talked. To, she's I talked 
she's back in town now. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to get her on the podcast with, with Red. That would be a good good pair. That's actually she lived in Paris for a while. Oh no, yeah. Allison, that's a great idea. Thank you, man. That's, uh, how how did I miss her? Yeah, uh, no, she's I, got a lot of great uh, uh, yeah. stories I don't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have to write that one down. Um, so, so let's uh, catch you up. Uh, you're you're here. The last few years, you you built the uh, and and ran the the Rabidash, uh, uh Records up in Covington. Studios. No, not the records, the studio. No, the studio, though. I built it. My, uh, my old uh, classmate from Loyola, John O'Toole. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, well, we're, we've since parted ways. Okay, well. Uh, so I can't. Good. I'm, not, I'm, not at reason, I'm not at liberty to discuss it. Okay, sure, because sure. Because of sure. a lawsuit. But, uh, uh, okay, all right, well. <laughs> but I did run that studio. I had that studio for seven years before he showed up. It was an incredible place in an old Masonic temple building. In, oh, okay. Well, speaking of Masonic temple buildings, you did also were, were involved with Robinson at the Egyptian Room. Robinson Mills, yeah, 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 at the Egyptian Room, yeah. another uh, Masonic, where the Iguanas recorded our fourth record. Yeah, yeah. And I also produced shows on the 13th floor. This this beautiful building on St. Charles had a 13th floor theater that no one had used since the 20s. It's still there? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And so we, I went up there, met the Masons, talked them into it, and I, did, I used to do shows up there. I did about 14 shows up there before my wife and I moved to Alabama. Uh, my father became ill, and I had to stop doing it. But uh, right, yeah, it was a tremendous building, man. Yeah, that theater was fucking breathtaking. Nine hundred seats, and you could sit at the top, and you could hear a pin drop on the stage. It was acoustically perfect. Yeah, it was crazy to recording in there. We, oh I mean, yeah, we, the, that room was. We beautiful. just we just did some overdubs, and I mean, we spent a week there overdubbing and mixing. Um, I spoke to Robinson yesterday. He's he's doing quite. He's gonna have a party on February 11th. I saw that he yeah. he, he uh, messaged me about that. We had uh, Eric Fletcher. Uh, was, was the the engineer there? Shout yeah, out to that Eric was Terry Fletridge. Terry Fletcher's Terry Fletcher from the WDSU uh, or whatever. Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. She 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 was a uh, yeah. yeah That's like, some New Orleans history. Yeah, yeah, New Orleans broadcast royalty there. Terry Fletcher. She lived a good long time too, man. Yeah, Eric. Do you out live there. in Alabama now? No, no. We moved over there. My father became ill, so we moved to Gulf Shores near Gulf Shores. Oh. And I would. I still thought your dad was in Marrero. Originally, he oh, retired okay. and went to Alabama. Oh, really? And then he became ill, so he was sick for a year. And when he passed, we just stayed there and had children. And uh, uh, I, w I was close enough to New Orleans; I could still come back and, yeah. I, you know, hang out with Tribe and my friends here. And I, I produced a record at Kingsway while I was still living in Alabama. Another studio you built out I helped out with that one, yeah. And and, and I, d I did a lot of odd jobs for Dan. I I, I put in. Uh, he had a, a, a Daniel Lanois. Daniel had a Harley Davidson collection. Mm -hmm. and, and old Indians and him and Mark Howard had. So we renovated his garage. D Jeff was working upstairs on the third floor. Right. And he was building out this beautiful plaster room for Emmy Lou Harris. Uh-huh. And uh, that was kind of cool, you know. And uh, That was an amazing house, man. They had, oh, my uh, God. They had, like, six master bedrooms yeah. with master bathrooms on each. Now... When the iguanas did a a, a, a week of, of a lockout where we did overdubs for our second record there, and uh, I thought, well, let me stay here uh, just to to get the feel of it. You know, it's like the it had eighteen foot ceilings, oh, amazing place that Jermaine place. Wells built J Jermaine Wells house there on on uh, what is it Royal and uh, and uh, it was, Charters it was, or something. Yeah, well, Charter. it was Charters and Esplanade. Esplanade, right? Five right, forty-four right. Esplanade. Still there, but uh, the mattresses were all terrible. Every room yeah. had a terrible mattress. Yeah. yeah. 
what I remember. Anyway, but, they, but they were like million-dollar beds, you know, Chinese yeah, yeah, wedding yeah. beds but and stuff. After that, I thought, I have to have a house with high ceilings because with high ceilings, you can really let your imagination run wild. You know, you can really think some big thoughts with those kind of, with that kind it's of headroom. <laughs> it's true. You know, and I came up with this theory that, like eight foot ceilings and thirty year mortgages were what what the you know the Chamber of Commerce in America came up with after they they made slavery illegal. Yeah, it's, it's mind it's control. Like, how can we tie people to the their job to this spot? Oh, we'll we'll uh, crush them by you know giving them very low headroom, eight foot ceilings, and a thirty year mortgage. Which there's nothing like a fifteen year mortgage. It's it's like I don't know. $100 more a month or something, you pay it off in, in half the time, but they, they'll never offer you They're that. They're never going to tell you, know, you that. Because <laughs> they want you to stay there so you can go into your job every, every Remember day. the Pete Seeger song, Little Boxes? Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it is. Right, it's Control. Right. Anyway, so I, I bought my current house after staying there. So uh, And that's I, where you were when I was living around the corner from you on yeah, 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 yeah. I got 14-foot ceilings in that that's house. That's a beautiful house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, just to, to bring us up to the to, to current day, so you, you now have the band uh, Shapeshifters yeah. as uh, uh, former guest Rosie Rosado uh, playing in the band, uh, Daryl Johnson. The famous Daryl Johnson. Great Daryl Johnson, bass player from uh, the Neville Brothers. Neville Brothers, Emmy Lou Harris, yeah, U2, uh, on, uh, uh, Rolling yeah, Stones. He toured for a year with them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Amari Neville and Dave Easley, a guy yeah. who I'm, uh, who I played on his last record. So, oh, Dave's amazing. Uh, I should get Dave on the podcast. He would be great. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, he would be he's, great. He's, he's just interesting. Just don't go down the rabbit hole with him. Well, maybe we will. Well, you you know? should. Yeah, it might be a six-hour show. <laughs> sure, sure. So, uh, so you know, you're, uh, you have uh, Omari Neville and the Fuel. I think you're. you're That's his band. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they 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 just did an album at uh, Shorty's Studio, which I built, Buck Jump, and it's the old Fudge. We rebuilt it. Right. And uh, they did an album there. We we did one of the songs at Rabidash that I play on with uh, Ringo's son Zach. Starkey and, uh -huh. and, uh, and he played guitar. Is yeah, he's a great guitar player. Really? He plays drums in the Who. Right, I know, yeah, I know. I saw yeah. him at uh, yeah at the Jazz Fest. Yeah, sitting, he played with the Shapeshifters a couple of Jazz Fests ago. Oh no, kidding. He's a friend of everybody. Nice guy. Very very yeah, sweet yeah. person. And uh, and so Omari made the record at Buck Jump, and we've got Leo, Ivan, Ian, um, uh, Cyril, of course, is on it. And uh, got to get Cyril on the podcast, man. Oh, he would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, he's he's a fan. He's he's uh, I've seen him popping up on the Facebook. Well, Cyril's page. one of my favorite yeah, yeah. people. He's a dear person. He came down and played with us at the Holland Wolf last last uh, Friday uh, with Shapeshifters, and uh, that was fun. Nice man. Well, uh, God, Dirk, uh, I told you this would go quick, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, man, thank you so much yeah, for coming my pleasure, coming man. on the well, podcast, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, anytime. What does your shirt say? The voodoo? Uh, it's a voodoo fest shirt. Oh, voodoo yeah, fest. From okay. years ago. They canceled Before that. it went right. corporate. Yeah. Yeah. Right, they've right, been yeah. canceled a couple years in a row, mm -hmm. hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever, Manny. This is I true. I never went. Yeah. I never liked it. It's in my neighborhood, just like Jazz Fest. Well, they squished it. It was really big and wide open, and you yeah. could bring your chairs, and now it's all squished up, you know? Yeah. Well, it was at the end when yeah. they corporatized it. Right. You know? 
All right. Well, uh, we're still hanging tough here. We're still staying independent. Still uh, staying yeah, we're not going to corporatize the, the troubled, troubled men. men. No, no, no. Well, uh, Dirk, thank you so much. Thank you. And, and, but uh, if we got Annie. the money, we would. Sure. Well, yeah, fucking yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Write me a check. The money, thing yeah. about selling out is you got to have somebody buying, you know? That's it. Yeah. You, gotta, <laughs> you can't sell out until you got somebody buying. I haven't made a dime from this show. Yeah, yeah. me either, I didn't man. think you no, did. I'm in the yeah. hole. But it's cheaper than owning a boat. That's the way I look at it. This is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't like the open water anymore. Anyway, Anyway, uh, thank you, Dirk. As always, uh, in the troubled nation, we like to say trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Absolutely. Good night. Good night. It's not as if I'm not a believer. I just want something to believe. It's not as if I'm not a wide receiver. I want the wide, wide world to give me something to retrieve. Live on this earth to my death from my birth Trying to learn a bit from all that I see I want to follow in the footsteps of Siddhartha Talk to Jesus at the well I want to mosey up the mountain with my habit Italian holiday with Dante in hell And I'm an infidel
major politician or a potion, a pyramid, a crystal, a lotion, or a pistol, or a pill. Game.